0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 238, Comic Talk Spotlight on Secret Wars. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 238. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight on Secret Wars. Uh, I guess technically to clarify, this is uh, the comic originally published as... Uh, the Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars uh, issues one to twelve that we're going to be talking about, um, which is, I mean, obviously we're having an upcoming Secret Wars that's happening uh, from Marvel uh, this kind of spring slash summer, uh, I guess even stretching into the fall. So it's a it's a good as good a time as any to revisit the original Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars, or just Secret Wars as it's more commonly called. Originally uh, written by Jim Shooter. Uh, Way back in I believe 1985 or 84 85, Um, so we're gonna get into this in a minute. But I just realized I didn't even introduce myself. Uh, My name is Adam Chapman. I'm the host of Comic Shenanigans. Uh, Every week we do two episodes. Uh, One episode is a reviews episode, looking at comics that came out the previous week, and the other. Can be uh, you know kind of a, on a wide varied um, range of topics. Sometimes we do comic talks, where just a general kind of comic talk area. Uh, sometimes we do comic talk spotlights, where we look at a specific comic. Sometimes we do uh, flashbacks, where uh, we flash back to something that's kind of like a spot, uh, comic talk spotlight, but usually has a little bit more of a personal edge to it, as to why I'm flashbacking to a specific time uh, when I was reading a specific type of comic, etc. Sometimes we talk about Heroclix, sometimes we talk about video games, Star Trek. Uh, sometimes I actually have guests and it's super exciting and sometimes it's just me. Uh, if you want to hear a lot of really good episodes with uh, me chatting with a myriad of different guests uh, throughout the uh, run of the podcast, I really do recommend you look at, uh, go to our website at comicshenanigans.podbean.com and you can get a, a good list of uh, all the episodes where the, it if you go by categories, you can see all the guest-starring episodes. So if you want an episode guest-starring AJ Reese, who's a, a good big fan and good, good friend of the show, you can listen to his episodes. If you want to listen to uh, episodes with... Um Probably one of the, the, the I would say the listeners, one of their favorite guests to have on the show would be uh, Nathan Strzok or Paul Scores. You can listen to those episodes as well. I do hope to have um, Paul Scores and Nathan Struck on the show sometime in the near future. Our plan is to go through and do a, a big spotlight on um, the X-Men Age of Apocalypse storyline from, what was it, 1995? Uh, has it, excuse me, really been 20 years? That's crazy. Um... So at some point we're planning to do that episode It might actually end up being You know, I, I'm kind of expecting it to end up being Four different episodes to kind of go through Because there's so much material to go through And it means a lot to us because it was kind of our entry point Into X crossovers And it was, uh, for me I was, you know 12, 13 years old well, I'm Sorry, 13 or 14 years old When the original uh, Age of Apocalypse happened So very impressionable Reading comics, et cetera Anyways, on to the topic at hand Let's talk about Secret Wars Um... I mean, so, um, if, if, if for the uninitiated, which I can't imagine that there are, but I guess theoretically there's people who haven't read it all the time, um, the original Secret Wars was masterminded by Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics at the time, and uh, essentially its big premise was, let's sell toys. Uh, let's sell this toy line, so let's have a, a kind of a comic book to go with it, uh, which will bring all these heroes and all these villains together, in uh, a big mishmash, and have them fight it out for twelve issues. Um, let's have it through a year. Uh, we'll have everyone kind of disappear into this, you know, battle world in one in one issue of their comic, and then the next issue they'll come back. Some of them will have changes, and they'll talk about in vague tones what happened in the year, you know, the while they were gone, even though it seemed like they were only gone a little bit. Um, but it felt like so much longer and where they really were. And uh, the idea was that you had to kind of go back and read the Secret Wars uh, maxi-series that was coming out at the time to really understand this. Um, so it's written by Jim Shooter, artwork by Mike Zeck and Bob Layton. Um, it's, I, I mean, if you, if you read online and you have read commentaries on this or if you've heard podcasts about it, um, it's kind of a divisive mini-series. It's kind of like those who were kind of young at the time that Secret Wars came out. Uh, and kind of after that point, generally people who were, you know, in an impressionable age when it first came out or they read it in the intervening years, it's generally thought of relatively highly. Not, well, maybe not highly, but it's thought of fondly. Whereas uh, it seems to be that the kind of fans who were not buying action figures in 1984 felt like this is more of a stunt and not as good a story. Um, and there's a lot of problems with it, but it's also it's very memorable. It's interesting too because obviously it came out, what, the year before, or kind of there was an overlap period when Crisis and Infinite Earths was happening as well, which from DC. So that you have these two major maxi series events, both 12 issues, one radically changing the face of their universe for everything going forward for the next, you know, 30 years. Well, at least 20, <laughs> but for a long time forward, Christ and, uh, Crisis and Infinite Earths reshuffled the deck and made a huge series of sweeping changes, and uh, really the DC universe really wouldn't ever be the same, whereas then you go to Secret Wars, and there's not a lot of changes in the same way I mean, there are definitely changes but there's nothing so large so huge, so sweeping uh, that has that much of an effect on the Marvel universe, I mean You can kind of go through and look at certain characters and say, okay, well, this is how they were affected, this is how they were affected. But really, that's it. Um, So it's not nearly as big a deal, Uh, Well, and really it couldn't be. I mean, unless the Marvel Universe was kind of being totally reshuffled and, and, um, and changed, there was no way for it to ever really go that direction. I'm not going to break this necessarily down by issue by issue. I just want to kind of talk about the general themes of Secret Wars, um, what I also, what I love about kind of going back and looking at all the comics, especially, you know, in this case, it's a 30-year-old comic, is also to look at the characters themselves and what they look like and seem like at this point. Like, I'm, I'm holding in my hands, uh, the Secret Wars trade paperback that was, uh, published in, I guess, 2005. Um, this was the, the second edition, um... That was, I guess, printed. Um, Now, I don't have... This is one of the few omnibuses that I really wish I had, but don't own. Um, Mainly the reason is I remember looking at... And I was like, the price of buying a Secret Wars 2 in omnibus format and Secret Wars 1 in omnibus format was identical. And that only really bothered me because that made no sense. You had the original... um, Secret Wars Omnibus was, you know, it's going, it was at the time, I think, going for like $70, $75. And if you looked at the page count of the original Secret Wars, um, it was something like 496 pages, you know? Like, not that long. I mean, for especially for Omnibuses, you, they seem to go at least 700, 800 pages. So that's a relatively short Omnibus. Um, I mean, it was collecting, I guess, some stuff that wasn't in the original. I mean, the original trade paperback... Uh, you know, mainly had the main Secret Wars mini series or maxi series, sorry, which was issues one to twelve, uh, but didn't really have, you know, it didn't have Thor three eighty three or She Hulk uh, from two thousand and four number ten. Um, that just wasn't included. So I mean, I guess. I wasn't going to pay $70 to basically get two additional issues. It just didn't make any sense. Um, especially, and then you look at Secret Wars 2, and that is like the Mac Daddy of buy I think it was the first one I bought. Um, a lot of it's not even great because it is Secret Wars 2. But, you know, it was 1,100 pages. Or actually, it was just a shade under 1,200 pages. So, it was kind of like, well, why would I pay the same price for something that's you know 500 pages, when for almost 1,200 pages I can get the exact same price. So so much more value. So it's always been a sticking point with me that I don't have that Secret Wars omnibus on my shelf. I just kind of start with Secret Wars 2. But at least I do have Secret Wars in trade paperback. Um, I, I, my hope is also that the printing is better in that omnibus because looking in this old trade, they have these um, sample pages where they pull from Amazing Spider-Man 251, which again to give you a sense of, what where Amazing Spider-Man was at this point in time and the art just doesn't look very good and I don't really think it's because of the artists themselves I think it's also, well, I think part of it's that the the artwork wasn't the greatest at the time in this particular sequence, it looked rushed, very rushed but also just it, it looks like it's poorly reprinted um, which isn't very good as well um, Spider-Man at the time, you know, Roger Stern was basically wrapping up his run uh, I think what his last full issue, I think it was 251, or maybe it was 250. No, I think it was 251. And then 252 and 253, I believe, were his plots, but then scripted by Tom DeFalco. To give a sense of, of where Spider-Man was at this point in time, before he kind of disappeared. Uh, he had Spider-Sons go crazy. He went to Central Park, saw this giant construct, went inside. Uh, he couldn't help himself, and then he disappeared, and that was the end of that. Uh, he did then appears in uh, Secret Wars number 1. You have X Men One Hundred and Eighty, where the X Men, you know, kind of decide to uh, that they have to stop at Central Park and see this giant construct, and they go inside, and then they get transported. Um, Then you have uh, in Captain America Two Ninety, sorry, is it Two Ninety Two? It's even unclear. Two Ninety Two, and also in I guess Avengers Two Forty Two, you have uh, the Avengers going to Central Park, and it's interesting too that if you look here, the Develop or the way that the construct looks is not necessarily that consistent amongst like the three or four different titles that were involved in it. Um, or actually, it's more than that because even Iron Man showed up and then disappeared. You had Hulk dis- you know enter it, you had um in the thing, you had the Fantastic Four go in, and then you started off with you know issue number one of Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars, which is a nice long title, but really it's just known as Secret Wars, and um. It, it's, again, got a, a really eclectic mix of characters. Uh, when you look at the hero side, um, you've got you know the Fantastic Four, more or less. And I say that because at the time, you didn't have Sue. She was back on Earth. So you had uh, Reed Richards, you had Thing, and you had Human Torch. Uh, for the X-Men, you had uh, Punk Storm. I guess she still has powers at this point. You have uh, Cyclops. You have um, Professor Xavier. Although, interestingly enough, in the first shot... In, in um in secret wars he's in the wheelchair but it looks like he walks in x-men 180 into um into the construct so that's a little nice little inconsistency but uh maybe the editing could have been better uh wolverine was here you had rogue who is still very new to the team you had Nightcrawler in and the colossus and lockheed um no shadow Catch, she was left behind uh from the avengers you had uh Photon, or sorry, I guess at the time Captain Marvel, uh, Monica Rambeau, you had Captain America, you had Wasp in one of her worst costumes, uh, and that's saying something. Uh, You had Thor, uh, and then I guess you had uh, Hawkeye and She Hulk, and then you also had, um, who haven't I mentioned? You had Magneto, who kind of shows up as well, and also the Hulk. Um, and you also had Iron Man, but in this one it's not Tony Stark, but actually Jim Rhodes. So it's just interesting to look at kind of, it's a, I, I, this is what I love about going back and reading comics from 20, 30 years ago more so, I guess, 30 years ago, um, is kind of seeing these older continuities, uh, where the characters were, and uh, it reminds me of when I first started kind of getting into comics and seeing these types of things, and, you know, not knowing who characters were, but wanting to, and, you know, really devouring it. I mean, I vaguely remember reading one or two issues of Secret Wars in the mid-'80s when I was getting a haircut at my barbershop. Um, you know, yeah, again, I must have been really young, and the issue was torn up, and I'm pretty sure... Like one of the first issues with the black costume was one of the ones there. But it was just, you know, torn up comics for kids to read when they're at the barbershop and messing around, you know, waiting to get their hair cut. And the parents are, you know, reading magazines and hoping that the kids shut up and aren't making too much noise. Um, So I remember, you know, kind of having a shot at reading Secret Wars there. And the first issue is a lot of exposition. Uh, There's, I'm not even kidding, there's a page where it's just everyone saying, you know, Wasp says, I suggest that first we find out something easier. Like, who all cool, is here? And then uh, she basically, like, lists us everything who they are. And, you know, I'm actually going to read this out because it's almost ridiculous. I'm not even saying it's almost ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous how, um, how painful the dialogue is here, but it's very indicative of, you know, this is a big launch. They're hoping a lot of people are going to read this. People who may not know a lot about Marvel Comics back when, you know, Getting kids and getting new readers felt like more of an attainable goal. Um, and back when you know, the old tenant of every comic could be someone's first, and this really kind of adheres to that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read again. This is only one panel at the top of the page. It goes all the way across the page, um, and it's everyone kind of standing there. No background given. They're just kind of standing in a line, like a you know and. In kind of a a weird zoom, because you you have to fit that many characters, so they're not even that great detail. And then you have this excellent dialogue. So, I already said what Wasp said, and now she says the following. I'll start. Everybody knows us, because we're the Mighty Avengers, and we're famous. But, just in case, I'm the Wasp, and with me are the She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, and Iron Man, who's really on leave, but is with us anyway. So condescending! It's such a stupid comment. Then um, Professor X chimes in. I am Professor X. These are my X-Men: Storm, Nightcrawler, Rogue, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Colossus. And Colossus has to pipe in. And Lockheed, the Dragon. Then, uh, then the Hulk, who at the, I guess at this point uh, had Banner's mind kind of controlling him, said, uh, "And I am, of course, the Hulk." Uh, Spider-Man's like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man at your service. And then uh, the thing finishes us off. With, we're the Fantastic Four minus Susie, the Invisible Girl to you. Which also tells you when this was written and how John Burton hadn't had, had a chance to upgrade her to Invisible Woman yet. Uh, Stretcher calls himself Mr. Fantastic, if you can believe that. This crumbs the Human Torch. And I'm the Easter Bunny. And it's just like, fuck, really? This is painful. Like, um, sometimes, um, uh, someone who's been on the show before, Amber Struck She says that she sometimes just can't bring herself to read comics that are kind of early 90s or before because of how painful, like there's obviously, there's often a lot of narration, um, a lot of the dialogue is just explaining your powers and who you are, and it's not really characterization, it's just kind of info dumps to kind of bring you up to speed, and it was just the style, and I mean, for a lot of the stuff you can kind of go, well, you know, that was just the style at the time, it's fine. Uh, But then some of the stuff, like that whole dialogue stream I just read you, is painful, but also very funny. Uh, but also very informative at the same time. Like, as much as I can make fun of it because it's kind of dumb, if I gave this to someone who's never read a Marvel comic before, they can kind of understand what's going on. It's very clear, you know, right from the first page, that, like, all these heroes are here. What's going on? Who are we? And what can we do? Oh, look, there's another construct, and all those villains are there, and wonder what's going on there. And then, again, you have Doctor Doom... Uh, like so, in the trade paperback, the next page, right opposite the page I just mentioned, you have another, um, you know, upper part of the page devoted to the villain side, and this is what Doctor Doom says: "Someone or something has spirited us across the universe. The Asgardian enchantress Ultron, the Absorbing Man, the Wrecker and his wrecking crew, Thunderbolt, pile driver, and bulldozer. My future Earth counterpart Kang, which again reminds you of what they, what uh, they thought." ...was the origin of the character at this time... Uh, ...which is obviously not the case at all, in any way now... Uh, ...the planet-devouring Galactus, the Lizard, the Molecule Man, and Dr. Octopus. An intriguing selection of most dangerous individuals... ...and none more so than I, Dr. Doom. Across the void, my built-in sensors detect a second capsule like this one... ...and it, a band of those who think themselves heroes. Interesting, a gathering of forces as if for a war... Which is interesting. Um, you read. The, uh, it's also interesting at this time that they put um, Magneto on the hero side, which kind of shows where the character was kind of headed at this point in time. Um, the The villain side is interesting too, because as much as all these villains are kind of put here, um, they kind of quickly splinter off, and we get this 12 issue maxi series of you know villains kind of betraying villains and co- trying to go into the go on their own. Uh, the heroes, you know, trying to make this place that they're um, they're waylaid by the beyonder, who I haven't even mentioned. This uh, mystical force from beyond says, that, you know, I'm from beyond, and I want to understand, you know, good versus evil. I will, you know, if you destroy the other force, I will give you your heart's content, like sorry, your heart's desire, etc. Um, it's interesting because in throughout throughout this whole kind of uh, storyline, you never really see the beyonder. The beyonder really. I mean, obviously he's there, but he's not there at the same time. It's always been kind of interesting, and it wasn't. You don't really get to enjoy um, the Beyonder until Secret Wars two, which is really, really something, Um, and and kind of not finally remembered at all. the so you have you know the factions team up throughout the twelve issues you have a lot of kind of things happen where you know the the, the uh, X Men kind of decide to go on their own um, they're not so sure how they feel about you know the other heroes and how they they might feel about them you have uh, the villain side create new villains as the city of Denver was abducted and and put onto this battle world. Uh, for the villains kinda, and heroes to fight on. Um, so you have Volcana and Titania get uh, created. Uh, Spider Woman uh, too uh, happened to live in that suburb of Denver um, and then shows up on the uh, battle world as well. Uh, throughout the battle, there's a lot of kind of injuries. There's a lot of kind of shifting alliances. Uh, there's some cheating going on. If you're Colossus, you fall in love with someone else and cheat on your girlfriend Kitty, who's back on earth. Um, you have a a weird kind of almost romance between uh, the wasp and Magneto, which has really never been mentioned since. Um, you have Spider-Man going and trying to get a um, a replacement costume and from a, I guess a costume machine uh, that responds to your thoughts that everyone else has been using. Uh, but when he uses it, he gets this this new kind of black costume that responds to his thoughts, which would later you know be the uh, the symbiote that would become Venom. Um, you know you have uh, some very kind of well-remembered stuff in terms of, you know, this being an interesting Doom story as Doom is able to kind of um, end up trying to channel the power of the Beyonder and to be this supremely powerful being. There's um, a very classic cover. I believe it's the cover of Secret Wars 12. Uh, sorry, not 12, but 10. Uh, which is uh, an awesome shot of Dr. Doom. His, uh, his armor's all, like, scratched and melted, and um, he's still got the faceplate on, though, and he's got his energy gauntlets kind of which showing, uh, you know, kind of with a Kirby crackle kind of energy, and it just says, Against the beyond or to the Death. And it was, I mean, these are very I, kind of iconic moments. In Heroclix, um, I believe in the, at the end of Secret Wars 10, there's a shot of uh, a giant... Um, Doom in kind of a modified costume, and so he's got all the Beyonder's power at this point. And uh, that was actually used as a sculpt in a for a HeroClix piece that was kind of based on that version of Doctor Doom. Um, I mean, issue uh, eleven. It's it's an interesting kind of event. Um, As I said, I'm not not going through issue by issue, but just giving kind of a sense of what happens throughout. And it's, you know what, it's fun. Like, yes, the narration at times is a little much, and it kind of goes on longer than it needs to, uh, because they're kind of, it's a lot of filler at times. It's these big kind of battles, and it feels at times that there aren't enough consequences. Um, As you know, it's heroes versus heroes, villains versus villains, heroes versus villains. Um, You know, at the end, uh, but there's, again, some very iconic moments, um, even if you just looked at the covers. I mean, that first cover, first of all, is very classic with all the heroes kind of running forwards. It was on trading cards. Um, they did a Marvel Zombies version of it, that, which then, uh, actually, I believe I have the Marvel Zombified version of this cover on a T-shirt. Um, and I remember, like, as a kid, seeing this this cover and the, like, on trading cards, and this is how it was. I kind of remembered who heroes were. And I would look at it and try to be like, okay, who's this, who's that, who's that? And... Um, you know, that was a big deal as a kid is you know finding these cards and I don't I didn't know what Secret Wars was because this started when I was one years old um but it was again very cool to kind of be able to kind of learn about the Marvel Universe from using Secret Wars and Secret Wars related material um the second issue has like a Magneto in the cover because obviously he's you know who who is he what he, what's really going on with Magneto um issue three I, I've, I've always found it to be quite memorable it's um Uh, the X-Men versus, sorry, I think I skipped it in this trade. Uh, it's the X-Men versus Spider-Man. It's a very kind of cool looking, uh, the crisis within as Spider-Man kind of fights against this version of the, uh, the X-Men. Um, number four, very classic. Uh, and I think this was mimicked and, uh, well not mimicked, but, um, uh, adapted for the Spider-Man animated series when they did kind of a weird compressed version of the Secret Wars. um and actually some of the more classic moments from the, from the comic actually made its way into the TV series, especially this one with... Um, although, was Hulk in the TV series? I don't think he was. I don't know how they adapted it then, but in the, um, in the comic you have the Hulk holding up, it says, uh, Beneath 150 billion tons stands the Hulk. And he's not happy. And so it's just the idea that this entire kind of Malcolm fell on all these heroes. And it's up to the Hulk to kind of to, do it, to hold it all up. Because Molecule Man just drops something on them. Um, and it's the heroes trying to find a way to escape um, from a certain doom. Um, and again, it's re- it's a really cool kind of sequence that you have the, you know, the Hulk holding everything up. Everyone's kind of damaged. Um, Captain Marvel's trying to kind of light up the area. They're trying to supercharge Iron Man's armor so they can blast their way out. Again, kind of cool stuff. Issue five, I find to be one of the least memorable. It's uh, that last the X Men Strike Back. For some reason, I just don't remember like that cover, so I guess it just wasn't memorable to me as a kid. Uh, issue six is all the villains kind of running forward with Galactus standing above them, and that was always too cool too is that Galactus doesn't you know join in on the, the villain fight, he just summons his ship so he can eat Battle World. So, um, I, I like that. As much as, at times, Jim Shooter didn't seem to care a lot about the characterization of the characters that he was co-opting for this mini se- this maxi-series, um, at least certain elements felt more true to the characters. Um, issue 7, you know, it's his cap, kind of looking like he's having a bad shit as uh, heroes and vil- fight villains. Issue 8 is probably the most famous of the bunch. Uh, has has uh, amid the chaos, there comes a costume with uh, all this, you know, fighting behind him, and Spider-Man standing there in his new black costume, which I mean, at the time was not new anymore. I mean, technically, the, it's kind of weird how you know we'd already seen it in Amazing Spider-Man at this point because you know he'd already come and gone and was back on C- at, from the Secret Wars, but uh, this was technically the first appearance of how he got the costume. Uh, then you have uh, issue number nine. Let's see. I think I skipped it completely. Um, Well, as I said, issue number 10, one of the most famous because of the awesome uh, Doom pose as he confronts the Beyonder. Um, Number 9 is kind of a a cool aerial shot of all the heroes trying to stop Galactus. Uh, Issue 11... Uh, very memorable, because it just has kind of all the heroes, and Doom, we just see Doom's back as he stands above them. he's kind of brimming with energy, it's all around him, and he's got the mask off, it's just the, the face of Doom, uh, and then it leads to, uh, issue 12, which is, uh, Doom kind of with his arms outstretched, he's got no mask on, this is after the Big Bang, um, was, I I still enjoy and like this story. I'm really curious what the new Secret Wars is going to be like, what it's going to feel like, uh, if and how the Beyonder will be end up being engaged and used. Um, as I said, the Beyonder was more of a kind of a primal energy that wasn't... it was more of a not a MacGuffin, but you know, it was, it was just kind of a plot device as opposed to a character. It wasn't until Secret Wars 2 that uh, the Beyonder would become a little bit more of a character. Still a plot device, but at least more of a character. Um, if you have never read Secret Wars before, you should, especially in advance of what's happening down the pipe with Marvel. I mean, obviously the new Secret Wars is meant to evoke thoughts of the original. Um, even, I mean, the fact that they're on a battle world. Um, you know, it, it's been, you know, 30 years 31 years since the original secret wars it was about time that they were really going to go back to doing something like this again we're getting there in a different way because we have all the incursions and everything that jonathan hickman's been doing but um at at the end of the day we still kind of get to culminate in the secret wars uh i'm curious to see what the after effects of the new one will be i mean i didn't really touch on that and i guess i should um when the characters left secret wars and went back to their own books um, some of them didn't really have a lot of differences. Um, I mean obviously Spider Man had a new costume, that was his big kind of change when he came back from the Secret Wars. Um the thing stayed on Battle World, so obviously that was a huge one. Um so the Fantastic Four kind of needed a new member, so She-Hulk would end up joining the Fantastic Four shortly when they got back, as opposed to being on the Avengers anymore. Um Iron Man didn't really have any real changes. I mean again It's interesting that Tony Stark wasn't part of the original Secret Wars because, I mean, you kind of expect him to be. I mean, it's interesting that there was a lot of periods, you know, where he just wasn't Iron Man. Uh, He was just a drunk for like a long time and Jim Rhodes got to be Iron Man for a longer duration than a lot of people remember and now it seems so foreign because we're so used to Rhodes being War Machine ever since the early 90s and it doesn't help that you know you, you had the big splash that War Machine kind of made in the early 90s then he was on the TV show then he was in the movie um, a couple of years ago so I mean the idea of even having Jim Rhodes as Iron Man seems foreign. Um, the fact that you know Captain Marvel uh, kind of got shoehorned in was good for the character uh, Roe this is so early in kind of her character's uh, development um, you know even having Xavier here was kind of a weird point for Xavier uh, before he ended up leaving uh, the books for a long time. I mean he left him what issue 200. Uh, and wouldn't be back till around the 270s, I want to say. Because um, he was just kind of exploring with the Star Jammers. But he was at least as part of the Secret Wars. The X-Men didn't really have a lot of changes coming back. Obviously, Colossus cheated on Kitty Pryde, um, and that would kind of fragment their relationship for a, like a while. Um, but other than that, like there was no real you know kind of after effects even the Avengers I don't think were that that affected by the events of Secret Wars but obviously Spider-Man had the biggest and most lasting change um, to develop from it and again Fantastic Four was changed as well because they didn't have the the Thing anymore uh, so they ended up having She-Hulk on the team as uh, one of the, kind of their repl- famous replacement members they're always replacing Thing uh, you got Luke Cage, you got She-Hulk I mean uh, they always kind of come up with uh, some sort of replacement for Ben Grimm um, so I guess that's Secret Wars. That's kind of the, the discussion I wanted to have about it. I mean, um, if you have kind of thoughts about it, let me know about it. and I'll, I'll read them on a future episode um, about, you know, kind of what what this means to you um, in terms of, you know, what when you read this, at what point in your life, if this made a huge difference a huge impact on you if you were a kid or if you're an older fan and you were disgruntled by this because it was such a, a shameless ploy at putting all these characters together so they could sell action figures I want to hear about that so uh, you know email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com and I'm, I'm happy to read kind of that stuff on the air in terms of mail um, what people think about Secret Wars and also what you think about the upcoming Secret Wars too um, it's just Again, it, it's really intriguing to me that we're, it, it feels so familiar, but we're getting there in such a very different way. And in, in, in some sense, we're getting there in a more organic way. I mean, if all these you know incursions are smashing all these worlds together and eventually everything that's kind of left over will form this giant kind of composite battle world, that's kind of a really cool concept as opposed to the original battle world where all the heroes just kind of get abducted by this weird, mysterious you know, force from beyond. And then it creates this weird hodgepodge of a world that happens to include a suburb of Denver. And from that, they somehow abduct a brand new spider woman who just happens to be hanging out in a suburb of Denver, which I did not realize was a crime capital that needed a spider woman. Um, it, you know, it's, at the time, they just kind of figured something out, threw it together, and made it happen. Whereas now we get the benefit of, you know, Jonathan Hickman having a you know a long term approach, planning something for two, three, four years, um, and then we're going to kind of get something really big out of it. I mean, Hickman has been apparently developing elements of this since he was doing his his Fantastic Four run, which. Kind of makes me think I should go back and reread that entire Fantastic Four run, then read his Avengers run, and then read uh, the upcoming Secret Wars. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode. This has been episode 238 of the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I have been Adam Chapman, your host, or I continue to be at least. Uh, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like I said before. You can check our um, our, uh, our our archive of episodes on itunes or at uh, comic Uh you can rate and review us on itunes subscribe to us on itunes as well as post in our hdrums thread as well and like us on facebook thank you very much for joining us for the episode uh our next episode will be up probably in two to three days it'll be episode 239 which will be our reviews episode looking at comics that were released on wednesday january the 21st and then next week will be episode 240 not really sure what it's going to be yet might be a comic talk episode it might also be an episode talking about uh the forthcoming uh, justice league uh throne of atlantis animated movie so thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time Bye bye